On November 30th, 2021, Ethan Crumley opened fire on students at his school, Oxford High in Michigan. Ethan is believed to have killed four students, injured six students and a teacher before the shooting was over. Ethan surrendered to the police. His parents have now been charged after police and prosecutors learn that they were aware of concerns with Ethan regarding written threats of gun violence and had discovered a gun missing from their home. Hey everybody, welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower, here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey Katie! I feel like you almost introduced yourself as Katie Weaver. You really? paused. Yeah. <laughs> you said, I'm Christy Brower, like you weren't sure. Anyway, that's fine. <laughs> well, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? I, I don't know. I don't know why I paused, but that'd be pretty funny if, if I introduced. Maybe we should switch names every once in a while and see if people notice. <laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> well, hello. Hello. How's it going? Um, It's going good. It's, uh, wow. December. And I can't even believe it, but here we are. Right? It is. It is December, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But time is just marching on, friends. It is marching on. It does do that. That's We're getting snow sure. today. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. We haven't had any snow since early October. No. We're having this really weird, strangely warm uh, early winter that is really mm-hmm. weird. So we'll see if we get it tomorrow. Well, the piggies love it. But they today. are, yeah, they're out. Uh, they've been out every day, you know, this last week playing outside most of the day. And I'm a fan. A super fan. Yeah, that's nice. Our dogs are loving it, too. But I'm ready for some snow, damn it. Mm. I'm not that far from Christmas. I'm good. I'm ready. Well, that's the only time I want snow. Just, you know, a few days before <laughs> Christmas, maybe a couple of days after, and then gone. <laughs> yes. I know. Very wishful not thinking. Well, this is our Monday case, our first case of the week. Mm-hmm. And it's a humdinger, as you guys mm-hmm. are going to hear, and probably some of you are familiar. Mm-hmm. But we did feel like we need to cover the school shooting in Oxford High in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, so this is the the case of Ethan Crumley. Mm-hmm. Ethan Crumley. Uh, we're going to get into it a lot more deeply, but basically was seen on security camera in his school walking out of a bathroom with a gun in his hand. He shot and killed four students. Mm -hmm. He injured six other students and a teacher uh, and then surrendered to the police. Mm -hmm. Now, there's there's a very interesting twist in this case in that Ethan, of course, has been charged. Yeah. And is being uh, held and tried as an adult. Yes. At this point. These are all things that we expect to happen after a school shooting. Mm -hmm. The thing that we don't expect to happen after a school shooting is for the parents of the alleged shooter to be charged. Mm -hmm. And they have been. Yeah. After a very brief stint on the run. Mm Mm-hmm. 
they have been charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this story today. Yeah. And kind of give you the lowdown on what happened. I want to give you... Um, the timeline that the prosecutor used yeah. when uh, uh, talking about, you know, arresting James uh, Crumley and oh, what's her name? Dang it. Uh, Jennifer. Jennifer. James and Jennifer Crumley. Uh, this is this is what the, the pro- this is the prosecutor's timeline. So it started on Friday, November 26th. That was Black Friday. Mm hmm. James Crumley bought a 9mm Sig Sauer semi-automatic pistol uh, at, a, at a store in Oxford, Michigan. At the time, his son Ethan was present with him that he purchased the gun. So on or around that day, Ethan posted a photo on social media of the gun mm-hmm. with the caption, just got my new beauty today, Sig Sauer 9mm. So, you know, apparently this gun was purchased for Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jennifer posted on social media around the 27th of November, mom and Sunday testing out his new Christmas present and they were out shooting that gun. Mm-hmm. So then the day before the shooting, so November 29th, which unfortunately is my birthday. Um a teacher at Ethan's school sees him searching for ammunition on his phone. Yeah. And it made the, it made the school, it made the teacher nervous. And the teacher called Ethan's mom, Jennifer, and left her a voicemail, but um, she didn't respond back. No. So then the school sent an email to Ethan's parents and they didn't reply to either of those. Uh, Later on, Jennifer and Ethan had a text exchange where mom said, lol, I'm not mad at you. You have to learn not to get caught. Yeah. So on the day of the shooting, this is November 30th. um, One of Ethan's teachers came across a note that made her very concerned. She actually took a picture of it on her phone. Mm Mm-hmm. And the note was a drawing of a semi-automatic handgun, and it was pointing at the words, the thoughts won't stop, help me. Mm -hmm. And it also included the drawing of a bullet with the words blood everywhere written above it. So uh, according to the prosecutor, between the drawing of the gun and the bullet is the drawing of a person who appears to have been shot twice and bleeding. Yeah. And below that figure is a drawing of a laughing emoji. Yeah. Apparently the note also said my life is useless and the world is dead. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as one would do. Yeah. The school called Nathan's parents right away and said, you you got Ethan's. Yeah. Ethan. Sorry. Ethan. The crap out of that teacher, which, you know. Right. This is now two days in a row. Teachers making gun related concerns, uh, you know, placing gun-related concerns about Ethan in the office. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, Ethan ends up in the office with his backpack. Unfortunately, that backpack never got searched. Mm-hmm. He had also altered the drawing at this point and scribbled out a bunch of it, but the teacher still had 
the photo of it. Yeah. So the school shows James and Jennifer, J- James and Jennifer Crumley, the picture, mm-hmm. the drawing, and says you have to get counseling for him within the next forty-eight hours. Twenty-four hours. Uh, according Did to forty-eight. According she to the it's 48, yeah. Ah, interesting. So we've There's seen two both. numbers out there, yeah. Yeah. Um, the parents didn't ask him if he had a gun, and they didn't look in his backpack, mm-hmm. according to the school. Also, his parents really resisted the idea of taking him home from school. Uh, okay. They left without him and left him at the school, and he went back to his classroom. Yeah, the school kind of wanted him to go home. You know, something's going on with this boy. We want you to take him, get him some help. And they didn't do that. Yeah. So on this very same day that the the school had called the parents over, uh, just before 1 p.m. is when the school surveillance cameras show Ethan Crumley with a backpack. Mm -hmm. He goes into a bathroom. He comes out of the bathroom without the backpack with a gun in his hand. Mm Mm-hmm. He just starts firing outside the bathroom and walking down a hallway, mm-hmm. shooting inside classrooms and at students. Um, at 1.22, Jennifer Crumley texted her son, Ethan, don't do it. Yeah. Do what, Jennifer? <laughs> what did yeah. you know? Well, uh, at that point, there was already word out that there was a shooting, a shooter in progress at the school. Right. So they had heard. But it was too late. Four students had already been killed, Mm -hmm. six injured. Yeah. And a teacher injured. Yeah. And her son had already, um, Ethan had already surrendered to the police by the time she sent that text. Yeah. But she knew it was him. She did. Immediately. As soon as she heard there was a shooter at the school, she knew it was him. She knew. At 1.37 p.m., James Crumley calls 911 says a gun was missing from his house and he believed his son may be the shooter. Mm -hmm. The gun was stored in an unlocked drawer in James and Jennifer's bedroom. Yeah. So that is the timeline of the school shooting itself. Let's name the victims. Yes, please. So 17-year-old Madison Baldwin, 14-year-old Hannah St. Juliana, 16-year-old Tate Meyer, and 17-year-old Justin Schilling, who died a day after the shooting from his injuries. Yeah. So a very concerning situation. The school shooting is very concerning. What did the parents know beforehand? Why didn't they get involved in help? Why were they allowing this boy who was clearly struggling access to the gun? I mean, these, these are all the questions. And so for that reason, the prosecutor orders a warrant for Jennifer and James' arrest. And then, Mm -hmm. Katie, why don't you tell us what happened? So this very interesting string of uh, exchanges, this was all done in a really weird order. Right. It didn't. This is not what not what normally happens. Normally. Mm Uh, a prosecutor will let the sheriff's office know we're issuing warrants for these people. Go get right. them. And once they have them in custody, then they'll do a press conference. But that's not what happened. In this case, uh, the prosecuting attorney on Friday morning 
I held a press conference and announced that they were charging the Kremlis uh, with four counts each of involuntary manslaughter. Well, this was news to the sheriff's office. They did not know and they did not have them in custody. So they went to pick them up and discovered they were gone. Yeah. Now, really depends on who you're listening to, what the exchanges between the attorneys and the prosecuting attorney's office were. Because the Crumley's attorneys claim that they had reached out to the prosecutor, let them know the Crumley's would, uh, once they had charged them, you know, or were ready to charge them, they would be uh, bringing themselves in. Uh, The prosecutor basically said, you sent us a text, you never followed up on that, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So then, so for the first thing we hear is first thing in the morning on Friday that the Crumleys are being charged. The next thing we hear is that the Crumleys are on the lam. Yeah. And then we hear an interview with the sheriff who is pretty pissed at the prosecutor and says, this isn't how things are supposed to be done, but she's new and we're still working out our system or whatever. So mm-hmm. there's a manhunt for them and people are, you know, the law enforcement are getting pretty nervous about it. By late afternoon, the marshals have joined the search and right. have issued a $10,000 reward for pulling them in. Uh, at some point during that day, law enforcement discovered that they have pulled $4,000 out of their bank. Yeah. So law enforcement and the marshals are getting very nervous about where these two are and what are they doing? Are they trying to leave the country? Where are they? Right. And all the while their lawyers are are releasing these statements that our clients are prepared to turn themselves in. They left the area for their own safety and they're on their way back. And they had given several uh, times that they would turn themselves in at that came and went there. Uh, there was supposed to be an arraignment at four o'clock on Friday that came and went that uh, the attorneys did not show up for, nor did the Crumleys. Uh, mm-hmm. The attorneys claimed later that they didn't know about that arraignment. It was all over the press, so I'm not so sure how that's the case. Yeah, However, it was all over the news. I mean, even if they they should have had notification from the courts, of course. Mm-hmm. They're but saying even they if didn't they didn't, have it, if yeah. they were paying any attention. However, they were both working, you know, on other cases. It it was messy. It was very messy. Yeah. So in the middle of the night, Friday night, nigh on to Saturday morning, a business owner saw Jennifer Crumley standing next to Jennifer Crumley's vehicle, her Kia, that had been named in the news as their car, Mm -hmm. uh, dressed in dark clothes and uh, acting suspicious. So she called the police and this was in Detroit. So they, the police, you know, and and the marshals, they're combing that neighborhood in Detroit, trying to find them. They Mm -hmm. finally find them in kind of a big warehouse building that has an artist studio in it. And the studio, as it turns out, belongs to a friend of theirs. So this gets a little weird because, uh, Now it seems like they may have an accomplice. So the friend's name is Andrzej Sakura. And he knows them pretty casually, but he knew them somehow from a ski club, it sounds like. 
Mm-hmm. And he did know what was going on with their son. He says he did not know that they had charges. Uh, but they showed up and visited him on set Friday. He says that he uh, had no idea that they stayed in the building after he'd left for the day. So he has not been charged, but there has been uh, some threats bandied about that he could be, you know, for aiding and abetting them. But it's it's not clear that he really did. They just were opportunists that were finding a place to hold up. Right. Yeah. It's not necessarily that he was intentionally assisting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may have, I don't know, they were just looking for a place to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm saying. So about uh, two o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning, the marshals did finally find them in this uh, studio and take them in. And by eight o'clock, nine o'clock the next morning, they were arraigning them. They were, they were not messing around fast. really yeah. fast. Now, court was interesting. It really was. Uh, very interesting because both of the Crumley's attorneys are women. The judge is a woman. And the prosecuting attorney is a woman. Yeah. Very interesting. You just mm-hmm. don't really see that ever. So I was yeah. kind of proud of seeing that, honestly. But uh, we, I don't know, guys. I'm not convinced that uh, on the representation of the Crumleys, we're not going to see a bit of a Mark Mean situation on our hands. I don't know, yeah. They whined to the judge incessantly about the prosecutor. And basically mm-hmm. the prosecutor went, I'm not required to do any of those things, you're, you know. I don't have mm-hmm. to play nice and I don't have to do this or that. You know, I, I follow the law. So don't know what to tell you. And several times the judge cut them off and was like, I don't want to talk about this. I'm not listening to that. In fact, the judge was trying to make her ruling. And I had built a TikTok of the judge making her ruling on bail. So they both pled not guilty. Uh, the prosecutor was asking for $500,000, no percentage bail for both of them. Yeah. Meaning they're not going to be able to pay whatever, 10% or whatnot and bond out. Mm-hmm. So the attorneys, of course, took great umbrage at that. They wanted 50000 maximum 100000 Uh, you know, bandying all over the place about how that my clients are not a flight risk. They want to stand up and fight these charges and they would never... Your Honor, they would never do something like that. They were never on the run. <laughs> yeah, I they mean... were never on the run. The press is just, <clears throat> you know, conflating that and it didn't really happen. And, you know, the judge is kind of sitting there like, yeah, law enforcement didn't pry them out of a lock, you know, building that they weren't authorized to be in at two o'clock this morning. Okay, bro. You yeah, know, <laughs> like, come on, there's, there's really no defending that. I mean, if they weren't on the run, then they should have turned themselves in and they didn't. Well, it was all about, this is just all the prosecutor's fault. We tried to set up a time or a place for them. And finally, the prosecutor's like, they don't need permission from me or you to turn themselves in. They could have turned themselves in to any police precinct at any time today, but they chose not to. Those are people that are turning themselves in. They weren't turning themselves in. And the fact that they pulled 4K out of the bank that day, that's not someone who's turning themselves in. No, it isn't. Not at all. Not at all. And it was a lot of complainy, whiny stuff Mm -hmm. that doesn't make up at all for what's happened here. 
you know, or for what their charges are. I mean, they've, yeah. The other thing about this is that their son was arraigned, is being tried as an adult for first degree murder in four counts, plus all of the other charges. A and terrorism what do they do? charge, tons terrorism. of gun charges. Yeah. Yeah. What are they, what do they do? They take off and run. Mm -hmm. They really give a damn about that kid, you know? Yeah. That blew me away. Like your kid is and yep. is going through all this stuff. This these terrible things have happened. And so what do his parents do? Yeah, disappear. That's what. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I so then there was a TikTok that came out yesterday, late yesterday, claiming that they had tried to get into Canada. Now, to be fair, the sheriff said that too. He said that it looked the chief so of they police. tried to, yeah. Tried, yeah, the chief of police, that they had tried to enter Canada. So the TikTok said that they had tried to enter Canada and were denied because they did not have vaccinations, which you have to have to enter Canada. Mm -hmm. um, we couldn't find any additional proof of that. And that TikTok has since been deleted. So we'll keep our eye on that. We don't know that that's true. But the police chief did conjecture that they had tried to enter Canada and had been unsuccessful. Well, where they were caught was, what, only a mile or so from the Canadian border, the U.S.-Canadian mm -hmm. border. So, I mean, it may just be that it was an assumption made based on where they were found. I mean, why would they be there, mm -hmm. you know, with cash? It does right. make you wonder. It does. However, Canada is an extradition country. So yeah. if they got caught there, they would have just been sent back here. But it I think they been. were just scared and freaked out and trying to, Panicking. you know, panicking. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And, um, you know, it, it was very interesting with the judge because the judge just wasn't having any of these excuses. No. At all. No. Not so at they all. are each held on on $500,000 bond. Although I think they can, they do have a percentage of cash bond, don't they? I understood they didn't, but I could be wrong not, on that. I'm not sure. Um, but I do know that if they do bond out, they will be on GPS trackers and they have to immediately surrender all of their firearms. Yes. You know what the judge the didn't say? She didn't say they had to surrender their passports, which was probably an oversight. And I'm sure they will have to surrender their passports, oh, but yeah. she didn't say it. She didn't say it, but she was pretty focused on the guns. Yeah, that seems she repeated it several times. That was a big part of this is that she wanted all of their guns um, surrendered. Yeah. If they were to bond out. Yeah. But there was really no there was no sympathy. She wasn't buying the defense attorneys um, mm -hmm. song and dance at all. Not at all. So this is very unprecedented. This is new oh, yeah. territory to see the parents of an alleged school shooter be charged. Mm -hmm. But there is some pr pretty compelling stuff that happened with the school. Mm -hmm. Parents, um, you know, allowing him access to that gun and, and probably many others. Mm -hmm. That gun was not locked up. Right. Parents saw evidence of him talking about using that gun to harm other people. Yeah. And they did nothing. And no. the school did what they could do, you know, and ultimately it has to come down from parents. But they 
they clearly knew something was up. I mean, when his yeah. mother texted him, don't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. come on. Yep. Well, that text the day before, I think, is what's going to bite her in the ass more than anything. Yeah. LOL. I'm not mad. You just need to learn how to not get caught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. mom. So we've learned some about the Crumleys, about mm-hmm. who they are. Uh, the big thing, you know, a lot of people have heard about is the open letter to President Trump that Jennifer Crumley had written in 2016. Yes. Uh, among other things, thanking him for supporting the uh, Second Amendment. She said she was an, uh, a realtor and that she carried whenever she went to show a house in case somebody had ill intentions towards her and that she appreciated that and, and lots of other things, some really crass things that I'm not going to repeat here. But yeah. uh, at any rate, that's like the main thing people have heard about Jennifer. Um, there's quite a bit more to her. So let's take a look at a few, a few of the things that you might want to know about Jennifer. So she is a realtor and has worked in, it looks like, various uh, different uh, stages of realty. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that, of course, uh, that they were called about the drawing and that they declined to take Ethan home. We know that she has had charges in Florida. She had charges for passing bad checks and for driving under the influence. Right. She'd had some misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's see. Okay. We're not quite sure if she was still a realtor. She, her license actually last, lapsed in 2018. And so mm-hmm. there was a question there. Her uh, LinkedIn was deleted all of their social media was deleted pretty much immediately by her Mm -hmm. I'm assuming Uh, but she was still listed on realty.com under uh, a property management company Mm -hmm. and they deleted her profile the day of the shooting or the day after the shooting yeah yep so Yes. And again, she does have an arrest warrant in Florida. An arrest warrant or just a record? Or sorry, just yeah, a record. No. Yeah, an arrest record. Yep. So that's pretty much what we know about Jennifer. Uh, mm-hmm. We know a few things about uh, her husband as well. One of the things that she had said in her letter to Trump was that her husband had become disabled and it seems as though maybe he is back up and running now but at the time that she wrote that letter she was saying that her husband had been injured and unable to work Hmm. i thought he had a heart attack oh maybe it was a heart attack yeah yes so here's what we know about ethan no not ethan sorry james James. i have Mix those two names up about a thousand times in the last few days. Yeah, me too. Yeah. She, by the way, cried all the way through their arraignment, all the way through it. I don't have sympathy for her. I just, I don't. I I feel like she, I think she could have prevented this. I think she just didn't, you know. Could have at least tried. 
could have at least tried. I mean, you know, you can't hold her responsible for the choices that her son made, but you can hold her responsible for what did she do as a parent to try to prevent it and protect him. And yeah. you know what she did? Nothing. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's just horrifying to me. Um, mm -hmm. that somehow this was about gun rights and not about the lives of the students at the school where her son was attending and, and not, and refusing to see the red flags in his behavior and in the concerns of his teachers. And yeah. I mean, I mean, literally you guys, that gun was in his backpack. Yeah. The whole time the whole while they time. were meeting with him. In uh, the, the school. Yeah. I mean, in Idaho, the school can search students. I don't know if in other states that's different. I'm not sure why no one searched his bag. Parents didn't search his bag. School didn't search his bag. Where was the school resource officer? I don't no. know. But he had that no. gun that whole time. Sitting in there with all of these adults home. grilling him about his concerning behavior. And he knows damn well he's sitting there with that gun. Yeah. That's I mean, terrifying. Honestly, to me. That is terrifying. It's uh they should probably think they're lucky stars, the school admin, that he didn't just pull his gun out right there. Right there, yeah. But why? Parents didn't search, school didn't search. Why mm -hmm. wasn't law enforcement called right there? Mm -hmm. You know, these are things that we can learn. And I don't want to be in a place of judging after the fact. That's not my point. My point is this is something to learn from. Yes. That kid's bag should have been searched. Absolutely, it should. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's tell you a few things about James. So yeah. James is 45. According to his LinkedIn, he works as an account executive at an office supply company. Uh, and he previously worked as a business development executive. He has two other children that are older than Ethan with uh, two other mothers. Uh, neither of which it seems that he has much of a relationship with. And interestingly, um, yesterday, let's see. It was the New York Post published uh, an article with an interview from the ex. So, because there's an 18-year-old son who lives in Florida and we had heard from him, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday. And he had said that he was really shocked that mm -hmm. the last time that he saw his half brother, that he, you know, seemed happy and, you know, stable. And he was really shocked to hear. He said that I, this was a kid that was pretty quiet and loved uh, video games and that, uh, you know, just a pretty normal kid. And that's right. what everybody says about him actually. And he had not been a big behavior problem at the school until this week. Something went really wrong inside of Ethan. Really yeah, wrong. Did. And, and he told, told everyone. He showed them the signs, but we just didn't get there. Yeah. But anyway, it is a scathing interview about uh, James and about Jennifer. Uh, the ex called James a piece of shit. <laughs> and a deadbeat and she said that she hopes he gets the maximum for his role in the slaughter or alleged role in the slaughter uh her name is michelle cobb mm -hmm. and about jennifer she called her a monster she said that jennifer 
whenever their 18 year old son, um, had to go to their house for his visits that she made his life a living hell and that she could do no wrong and Ethan could do no wrong. And so it was an absolute nightmare. She said James was earning six figures and she was fighting him in court for $67 a week in child support for their older son. Mm. It's been mm. a very rough go. She said when her son turned 18, she cried because she was so relieved that all the hell is over from dealing with James and Jennifer. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's hard. You know, you have to take that with a grain of salt too, because there's been a yeah. divorce and custody issues and things, but yeah, sounds I don't like really it. see a lot of people coming out of the woodwork saying good things about these folks, unfortunately. No, no, no. She also claimed that Ethan was horribly spoiled. She mm. said that, uh, well, James absolutely neglected his other two kids and, really did nothing for them. Ethan got absolutely anything that he wanted. Mm. Which is... Including that handgun, unfortunately. Including that handgun. Yeah. You know, what, is, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. oh, just looking at Ethan, the picture, like at his mugshot, going... Were they taking care of Ethan? His eyebrows grow clear together in the middle. No one's helping cleaning up, clean him up. He's he looked like he wasn't showered. His hair looks mm -hmm. gross. Now, granted, he's now, you know, been arrested and in custody and, right. you know, was, was showing up in, in a mugshot. But still, Ethan didn't look like a kid who was being cared for. No, you know? he didn't. I noticed that, too. Well, and the thing that we have to remember is that teenagers do not have fully developed brains. No. And allowing access to guns to someone who still you know, acts and thinks very impulsively, doesn't have mm -hmm. control over their emotions, is not really a, in full understanding of consequences of their actions, yeah. is a huge mistake, whether it's Ethan Crumley or any other kid. Yeah. You know, and the fact that that gun was not locked up in their house and that he was able to just steal it right out from under them mm -hmm. is terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I hope it is a message to parents who do have guns in their homes. Yeah. That you're making sure your teenagers are safe, you know? Yeah. Do not give them free access to weapons. No. They are not thinking clearly. They will act out of anger mm -hmm. and hurt or frustration. They will do things that are impulsive. Kids make mistakes, mm -hmm. but mistakes made with guns are unsolvable. Yeah. This, That's just, I, you know, I don't care if you shoot guns or you want to take no. your son to shoot a gun. Fine. We used to shoot guns with our dad. Yeah. Our dad locked up his guns. You know, we didn't just have free access to them right. and we learned to respect them. Yeah. But and, we couldn't have gotten a gun out if we wanted to. No, no. And, 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 and the recommendation is that the guns are locked up in one place and the ammo is locked up in another. And yeah. that nobody in that house knows how to access those things except for the adults. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is a very good reminder of why that is the case. You know, because even, you know, people still do get access. And I know you'll hear all that stuff about how people just go to a gun show or blah, blah, blah. blah. The point is that as parents, we have a responsibility mm -hmm. to protect our children from guns. Because our children don't fully understand the gravity 
of using a gun. No. In, I think too often we people fall into this uh, false comfort with their kids, especially teenage kids that they're now many adults, you know, they're, they're grown up now. They, they get it. They don't get it. Their no. brains aren't fully developed yet. Right. They can only get anything to a certain degree right? because their brains aren't fully developed yet, period. No, no we have to protect them. For that very reason. And this is a really good reminder of that. This is very interesting. You know, we've never seen, you know, there's been outcry for parents to be charged in the in the past. It has never happened. Um, but, you know, if, if what we're hearing from the prosecutor is accurate, uh-huh. there is some very terrifying negligence here. Yep. So we'll see. We're going to track this case very closely because yeah. this is a huge precedent that could be being set here that may change the way people handle handle their firearms in houses with children. And I hope it does. I hope it does. I I mean, if if it hasn't already changed, what's it going to take to realize that you cannot just leave guns unlocked with ammunition available in your house? That's ridiculous. Wise up. Yep. Yep. So we'll see, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a line suspecting this will be a case that starts a firestorm with uh pro-gun advocates and uh and others and i don't know we'll see what it brings but we are very interested in it from the legal standpoint right uh, what happens here do yeah. these charges stick are they going to plead them down uh are they really going to try and go all the way i've been interested to see are we going to see a big push from uh like pro-gun advocacy groups to uh fundraise for these parents and Bring in, you know, some big time lawyers or they can not touch this one with a 10 foot pole. I'm interested to see, you know, Mm -hmm. how is that all going to look? Yeah. How is it all going to look? And this prosecutor, she has proven to, uh, you know, so far she's done things uh, a little out of order, a little uh, in an unorthodox way. But she uh, is tough as nails and is unflinching in her, you know, plan here to prosecute the parents for their role and Mm -hmm. it'll be very interesting to see where this goes it surely will so yeah we will keep updating as we go and our update shows on wednesday nights and then we'll do new episodes as it you know is it is deemed necessary as well yeah yep well you guys that's what we have for you this is our monday case we'll be back tuesday Mm -hmm. with a brand new case and wednesday with a brand new case Wednesday night with case updates at 7 p.m. Uh, that is yep. our live stream. And Thursday night at 7 p.m. is the psychic hour. So we will be back with all of those things this week. So please hang out with us, like, subscribe, share, help us to continue to grow. And we will be here to keep bringing you more great content. You bet. And you know, we are true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters. Thanks for being here. Take care. <laughs>